Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. So I want to talk a little bit about how the escalation happened in your second one and like kind of that whole story, because I think that it's really important for somebody who's in that first stage of just seeing that, that flash of that narcissism or that side that's like, okay, that's not the person that I started dating. And then how quickly it escalated to physical violence. I just think that's really important to see that timeline to understand that, like you said before, once it happens again, or once it happens the first time, it'll happen again and it will escalate. Yeah. So I think with him, you know, the reason that I broke up with him was because he's, he's a hockey player and a hockey coach. And so he's a very, there's two different sides to him. There's hockey season him, and then there's off season him. And when we started dating, it was the off season. And then once hockey started back up again, he just flipped. He was a very different person and he would stop to responding to text messages. And he just started, I just felt like I didn't matter anymore. And so I think that giving up that self-care was, it was holding on too tight to the relationship basically. Um, but then I think the biggest thing that changed was I got pregnant and it was an intentional pregnancy. I didn't get pregnant right away. Uh, we had been dating for, I want to say it was a year and a half, a little over a year and a half when I got pregnant. So it wasn't ridiculously fast and it was an intended pregnancy. We, we decided to have a child together, but it was the moment. Like I remember the look in his eyes when I became pregnant, he owned me. There was a there was a switch that was flipped in his brain. As soon as I was pregnant with his child, I became his property. And, you know, but then by that point, I saw it and it was haunting to me, but I was pregnant. Like, what was I going to do? You know, I didn't feel like I had any options. I didn't. I felt like we can work this out. You know, well, he's a good man. We just need to he just needs to learn that he's hurting me. And if you know, if he understands that he's hurting me, he's going to stop. Right. That's, I think that's always been my story is you don't hurt somebody you love. And so if you, if you love somebody and they're hurting you, you just tell them that they're hurting you and then they're going to stop. Well, that's not how it works with a narcissist, right? So I was pregnant already by that point. So I didn't see any way out. And so we did some therapy. The first time that he became physically abusive was when that daughter was, she was about six months old. And um, he pinned me down to the bed. He, we were arguing and he just pinned me down to the bed. So he didn't hit me or do anything like that, but he physically overpowered me. And then he wouldn't let me get to her and things like that. But then when she was about nine months old, there was a very similar argument. It like happened in the exact same spot in the bedroom. Like everything is almost exactly the same, which is very odd. But um, she was about nine months old and he was holding her. And you know how a lot, when you're holding like a nine month old, you hold them facing out. So your arms just kind of around their tummy kind of a thing. Um, that's how he was holding her. And we're arguing and he just went into this fit of rage and just started screaming and i'm looking at her and he's thrashing around and i see her head going back and forth and i got scared I, he's going to give her whiplash like he's going to hurt her if he doesn't stop 
And so I stopped the argument and I just started begging him, please just put her on the bed. Like you can keep yelling at me. I don't care, but just put her down, put her on the bed. And there was this moment where he looked at me, he saw my fear, he looked down at her and then he looked back at me and he started thrashing around even harder. And I was like, there is something wrong with this man. In that moment, I knew that there was something wrong. But again, you know, I just, I didn't, I believe in love and I believe in relationships and I believe in staying together. And so I didn't leave. I should have left then, you know? And I remember telling him, you can't cross, you cross the line. Like I have to go, but he talked me into staying and, you know, I let him talk me into staying. So that was when the physical started. The physical was not regular at all. The emotional and the psychological was very regular. It was, I was beat down almost daily. Have you watched Big Little Lies? The, the show on Hulu. Okay. There's a show on Hulu that's all about domestic violence. And it's actually a really, it was triggering as could be. It was hard to watch, but it, I think it's kind of empowering to watch it and see how these women stick together through the abuse and things like that. So he, you know, at the end of the relationship, what he's smart, he's very smart. And so he figured out that he was going too far. He saw it in himself. And so instead of getting help like a healthy person would, he actually turned the tables. And at the end of the relationship, so then I got pregnant with twins and we had, the twins were born. The twins were um, not an intentional pregnancy. I adore those girls. They don't, you know, have no regrets about having them, but um, they were not an intentional pregnancy. So I, the twins were born and I just had three babies in less than two years and I wasn't doing so good. You know, I was struggling. And I went to him one day and I said, look, I think I'm struggling with postpartum depression. And what he did, he, instead of saying, all right, let's get you some help. Let's, you know, any offering any sort of compassion or understanding or empathy or any of those kinds of things, he started recording me all day, every day. And then he would study those recordings and manipulate me and analyze them and figure out what my biggest trigger points were. And so he recorded me all day, every day for seven months. And he testified to this during that. I tried to get a protective order against him and he testified. And as he's giving this testimony about recording me all day, every day for seven months, his chest is puffed out. Like he is so proud of himself for what he had done. So there was that. And then he did at the very end of the relationship, he did, there were a couple of physical um, incidents. Now I slapped him across the face because by this point he was so manipulative and he had become so cruel that he he just knew exactly what to say to push me past my breaking point. And he did it very, very intentionally. So I slapped him across the face. The first time I did it, I'm right-handed. So I would slap with my right hand. You know, the first time he did it, he grabbed me by my left wrist and pulled that up behind my back and, you know, caused a shoulder injury because he pulled so hard. So I have medical records for that. And then the second time I slapped him across the face, he was very into the isolation thing. So anytime I tried to do anything with my friends and my family, there was always something. So there was a morning where we were supposed to be going to one of my girlfriend's houses because her daughter was having a birthday party. And so of course he starts to fight. And so again, by this time he was just as cruel as could be. And so I slapped him across the face and he reached up over my head, pulled me by the head and shoved me down onto the ground, like face first, and then flipped me over and straddled and pinned my arms up again, up above my head. But that incident actually caused a spinal injury that, you know, I, I did x-rays, I had to have an MRI. I went through like two, I don't, two or three months of physical therapy 
for that injury. And he has never paid any sort of consequences for any of this. The police have that all of those records and that report and everything, but they, you know, he's an attorney. And so the police actually told me that they don't want to arrest him because they don't want any possibility of a lawsuit. So they're doing nothing, which is incredibly frustrating. And now since that happened and he left, um, he started stalking and he's, he's all about control. And uh, so the stalking started out as gifts. So for about three months, I was getting flowers and gift baskets and things like that. And I had no idea at the time that that was a form of stalking. I didn't like that I was getting those gifts. It always bothered me, but I would send that obligatory text message, like, thanks for the flowers, you know, while inside I'm really not like, please stop sending these flowers. But, uh, but then when he saw that that wasn't going to work and that wasn't going to keep me under his control, he started covertly entering the home. He hacked into the home security system. I mean, the first time he hacked into the home security system was at 11.15 PM. All of my kids were there. You know, um, he didn't, as far as I know, he didn't come into the house that night. I don't know if he changed his mind or why he didn't come into the house. I have no idea. But, um, but then, you know, he did things like using my older kids' cell phones to track their location. I had flat tires. I had stolen mail. Like, I mean, you name it, he did it. And so I left. And finally, you know, you can only live in fear for so long. And it really takes its toll on you. So a girlfriend of mine, she saw me one day and she was like, if you need help, I have connections. And I, I, I said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. It wasn't a week later when I called her and I, I said, I need help and I need help now. I just can't do this anymore. And so she basically got me an airplane ticket. She said, when you land, call the women's shelter and see if you can stay at the women's shelter. And so I did, and she put me on a plane to Hawaii, which of course in family court, they've attacked me for that, you know, saying, well, wouldn't we all like a, an extended vacation in Hawaii as I'm sitting there crying because I'm not with my children, you know, I'd much rather be with my children than in Hawaii. But, um, but it, was, it was a healing journey going there and doing that, staying in the women's shelter was actually such a huge blessing because what I learned in the women's shelter is that when women heal together, there's a bond, there's a magic. It's like this spark that happens when women heal together. And we shared our stories and we just were there for each other. We just, we held each other. We loved each other. We encouraged each other. You know, we did all of those kinds of things. And so it was, it was a, a learning experience of how powerful women are when we band together. So that's really kind of become more of my platform. And what I like to speak about is women have to stick together. We have to stop this because men would cease to be able to, to even be able to abuse if we women stuck together. It would, it would end and it would end so fast. So we need each other. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. That's why, you know, why I started this nonprofit, you know, I was a police officer for four years and I just saw, you know, this cycle over and over again of, you know, abuse. And I didn't know why, why we couldn't continue to help these women. So, you know, through that, I was able to start the foundation. So I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your, your healing journey and how that started and what processes you have taken. I know you said that you went and you, you know, your, your friend put you on this plane and you did this. 
you know, you, you went to the women's shelter in Hawaii, but obviously we can't stay in Hawaii forever. We can't, you know, do all of this. So, and, you know, some people don't have the opportunity to, you know, have friends do that for them, which I think is amazing. Um, but what are some things that maybe, you know, if, if you're just now getting out of a relationship, how do you get, you know, what do you do to get started on this healing journey? I think the biggest thing is look for other women who have been through it and who are now speaking out about it because you can learn so much about your relationship and what's happened to you by listening to other women's stories. There's such a power that comes from listening. So, you know, finding podcasts like this again, and anytime you start to feel down, listen to a podcast episode, you know, turn something on that helps you improve. There's books out there. There's so many books out there about the power of women and I, I really think that that's one of the things that women need right now more than anything else is that understanding our power and understanding that our power is not scary. Our power is a power that's going to uplift the whole world. One of the things that I talk about is, you know, in the, in the patriarchy and in the misogynistic society that we live in, not all men, I'm not a man hater by any means, but, you know, the men who did do this and who are trying to maintain the power right now, they're doing it by smashing us and by kicking us down. And when women rise, we don't do that to men. We just want a seat at the table. That's the goal there is to collaborate, to be, you know, on the same level. And so it's really, really powerful. I think when you, when you start to understand feminism, what true feminism really is, not the angry, you know, angry side of feminism, but true feminism is just, hey, we're women and we're, we matter. We're powerful. We're not just here to be pregnant and barefoot. Um, we have a lot to say for science, for you know, business, for all of those different aspects. So really starting to appreciate the power that women hold and, and the power that we have as mothers, as caregivers. We are incredibly powerful human beings. So I think when we start to really embrace that, some of the things that I've done is listen to powerful women. Who, who out there do you consider to be an incredibly powerful woman? And start listening to her. Read books, read, listen to audiobooks. If you're not a reader, then listen to audiobooks. Um, listen to podcasts, you know, listen to music. There's so much girl power music out there. Like listen to music that helps you feel more powerful, helps you feel more like you matter, like you're a real person. There's of course meditation, yoga, all of those wonderful things. There's affirmations, there's mantras, there's all of those different things. On my computer, I have a, a subliminal message thing. So I program my computer so that all day long it's flashing subliminal messages at me. And, you know, the messages are things like you're powerful and, you know, you matter and, you know, all of those, whatever it is for you that makes you feel like, like you're up leveling in yourself. That's really, really critically important. My phone has the same thing. There's a subliminal message app that I use. Um, so I put that on my phone and then all night long, every single night I turn on, there's YouTube stuff that subliminal messages. So it's like rain sounds or, you know, nature sounds, things like that, but there's subliminal messages in there. And so I do that every single night, all night long. I'm listening to subliminal messages just to try to reprogram that subconscious mind that, you know, as a child, I didn't get the nurturing and the mothering that I needed. And that's fine. I can forgive and I can move on from that. Now I can give that to myself. And we live in this day and age with technology where it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And all you have to do is look for it. And if you don't feel like you're worthy on a certain day, that's fine. Just leave your, pro your computer programmed so that even if you don't have the strength to turn that thing on, at least it's still there. It's still flashing at you. You know, every day that you feel down, know that that's okay too. 
you're going to feel better. One of the things that I used to tell myself when I was going through my first divorce was that I will smile again, you know, and in those, those moments when you're crying and you're, you know, you're going through the emotions that are difficult, I will smile again. Something is going to make me smile. Right. And laugh. Even you're going to laugh again. So no matter how hard it is right this minute, just sit with that emotion and know that it's going to pass. One story that was really powerful for me that I heard, I think it was, this was when I was still going through my first divorce, but there was a woman who was talking and she was telling the story saying that she was counseling this other woman who had lost her husband about five years prior. And she had never let herself cry about losing her husband. And this counselor was like, you have to let yourself cry. And she said, why, why won't you let yourself cry? And this woman said, because if I start, I'll never stop. And uh, of course, the counselor kind of held a space for her and she, the, she finally let it out and she started crying and she just sobbed and sobbed for about 10 minutes. And then she stopped and she was done. And then she was able to move forward in her life. So I really think that feeling those emotions is, is part of your healing process. You have to let yourself feel whatever it is that's there, that's in you, let yourself feel it. And then you begin to heal. I think that's really powerful. You know, I think, you know, everybody's healing journey is different, but it all revolves around the same kind of things of, you know, just the self-love and feeling things and just being you and, and allowing yourself to one, forgive yourself and then, you know, continue to grow from there. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.